This podcast is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants. All right, draft season's about over here, folks. I'm John Schmelk, joined as always by Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker. Episode number 16, our final episode of the 2022 draft season with a peek ahead to 2023. This podcast is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Football Giants. We're going to look ahead on this show, folks, which means we're going to make some predictions about the 2022 draft class, and we'll do a quick look ahead to what the 2023 class might look like with obviously a year of college football to go. So, guys, let's start here. General trends with this draft coming out of it. We had a few days to kind of absorb it. You guys did a great job reviewing the draft on the podcast that I dropped on Sunday in my absence. I appreciate it. Excellent work. So let's discuss trends. And I guess my trend would be we see wide receivers getting paid now. And some of these teams, I think, are prioritizing finding good wide receivers on their cost control contracts, which is why so many of these wide receivers went early in round number one. Croc, do you agree? Yeah, and that was actually going to be one of my kind of major takeaways is what is the value of the receiver and what is that market? You've seen teams not really want to pay receivers where it was kind of trending in the sense of, you know, north of 21, 22 million dollars. And, you know, it's coming out that the Tennessee Titans were like, you know what? No, we don't want to pay you anything more than 16 million to A.J. Brown. So we'd rather trade you, let someone else pay you. And then draft a player with that selection. And there's a lot of unknown with it. So, you know, I think, you know, it's they're kind of telling us on what the market is for the receiver right now. I think they're kind of they're trying to do a little bit of cost control. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a natural progression of things. You, you know, you, you got your quarterbacks who the past couple of years have been given these huge contracts, and you got to do two things. You got to protect the quarterback. And you've got to give the quarterback weapons to throw to. So in my opinion, this is just a natural progression. The next highest paid group is going to be these receivers. And, you know, as you said, you're either going to sign the veteran receivers or trade for the veteran receivers, as we saw in the lead up to the 2022 draft and on draft day for huge contracts, or you're going to bring them in. And like you said, you know, try and reduce your costs to them. Now, what's going to happen is, you know, if these guys turn into the A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf types three or four years down the road, they're going to get massive contracts or they're going to be traded for, you know, a bunch of picks as we saw uh, as we saw on Friday night on Thursday night. You know, I think it'll be interesting because there's only so much salary cap space. And I realize the cap is going up and, you know, the last two years a bit of an anomaly because of COVID. So the cap didn't go up. It actually went down one year. But with quarterbacks, you know, now making 40 million, the top ones. Right. And it's going to head up to even, you know. 50, 60 in the next few years as more guys get extensions, you know, teams are going to have to figure out who they want to pay. And at some point, you know, right now, if you're paying a quarterback 40, a wide receiver 25, that's literally almost a third of the salary cap right now. And I think it's hard to build a team that way. So the draft, I think, is going to be even more important as the better players' contracts get higher. And we've seen this in the NBA, right? The stars get paid a lot and they even have a max. And then the middle class kind of gets gypped a little bit in the whole deal. So I think what you'll see is that as these great players get paid more and more, the importance of the draft to find good players to fill in in those spots where you're not putting a lot of your salary cap towards whatever position, offense, defense, whatever, Tony, is going to become more and more important. Yeah, what's, what's going to happen is this. <clears throat> when you get one or two players that are eating up such a huge proportion, huge percentage of your salary cap, you know, people talk about the first round ad nauseum. Those day three picks, mm-hmm. 
you got to hit on them because those day three picks are going to be the guys that fill out your depth chart at an inexpensive salary. And what's going to happen is, and I know this is a little bit off topic, is those second tier and those third tier veterans are going to lose out because it's going to be much cheaper to say, pay a rookie, you know, four hundred, $500,000 a year than to pay the veteran minimum, which is what, $1.6 million a year, I believe it is right now, or maybe you know better than I do. But <laughs> that's what's going to happen. You've got to hit on those late day picks, those late day three picks, because those are going to be players that fill out your roster to compensate for the fact that so few players are at the top of, of, of your salary cap and, and chewing up so much of your salary cap. And that's what we've seen from the LA Rams, right? Where a lot of people are like, well, how do they keep signing all these guys? And they have unlimited cap space. The cap isn't real. But what they're doing is they are paying their big time guys. And there's so few of them, but the rest of their rosters are guys that they're getting contributions from that were drafted in the mid to late rounds. And if you're not going to have early round picks and use those on guys like Jalen Ramsey or Matthew Stafford, then you better be damn good drafting in those uh, day two, day three. And that's where they have excelled. And I think other teams, I'm not saying you'll see everyone try to use that philosophy, but I think it might become a little bit more of a trend in the NFL. You know, I'll just say this about the Rams, too. And, you know, we haven't talked about them much. They didn't pick until the end of the third round. But, you know, in order to sign Allen Robinson, they did have to trade Robert Woods, right? They had right. to let Von Miller walk. Uh, their starting left tackle, who they were paying a lot of money, retired. So in order for them to sign some of these other guys, money did come off. Uh, Johnson, the safety, they had to let walk uh, as well, who's a really good player, right? So they've had to make some of these tough decisions. And I think, we're seeing more and more of these teams, especially with the wide receivers, saying, all right, you know, maybe we want to pay an edge player on defense. We want to pay an offensive tackle. We can't pay the wide receiver, too. You know, we're going to trust that our great quarterback can raise the level of the offensive players around them and spend our money elsewhere. Where do you think we're going to start seeing a squeeze, guys, on some of these salaries where teams will forego some of these positions? And then how might that impact the draft moving forward? Either one of you can jump in. I would think cornerback, right? Because cornerback one is just such a tough position to play in general. There aren't a lot of guys that are playing at such this high level to where it's like you can really say, oh, yeah, we're going to pay this guy, you know, 15, 16 million dollars a year over someone we can have come in and still get contribution from him. I look at the 49ers situation, obviously a team that I'm very familiar with. And the philosophy that they've taken on, they've been out there. I mean, aside from playing, paying Charveris Ward, which they're not even paying him a ton of money when you actually look at what the contract truly is. But outside of that, I mean, they've been getting Bible guys like Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, they had a killer Witherspoon while he was on rookie contract. Uh, they did sign a Rich Sherman, but even then his contract was very team friendly unless he was a pro bowler and all pro and played a certain amount of games. But they've been getting by with very average corners, which most teams probably couldn't even name who the 49ers starting corners were a season ago, but still had the number six pass defense in the NFL, still had the number three overall defense in the entire league. And they were able to do that because, well, they get after up front. So if I'm going to make a cut anywhere as far as cost goes, it probably will be some members of the secondary. And I would really specifically point to the corners, which is really hard to be a good corner in the NFL nowadays. And, and Tony, really quick, before you go, just throw out there, I think this is why teams are playing more and more zone too, right? Zone corners are much cheaper than press man corners, right? You don't have to go. If you're playing a lot of cover three and quarters and cover two, you don't have to pay the corner as much to do that as you do if you're playing a lot of press man. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I, I still think the top cornerbacks are going to make good money. But I, I think if you're looking at two positions, you got to look at your non-pass rushing linebackers 
guys like Bobby Wagner. And you got to look at your running backs. I, I mean, you know, there was a reason, there's a couple of reasons why Nicobe Dean really was never getting, didn't get first round consideration. Two down player, you know, teams don't value that fifth year option on them. And it's probably another reason why Brees Hall didn't go in the first round. Buffalo could have very well taken Brees Hall with that fifth round, but that fifth round option is more valuable to other, other positions. So I think running back and linebacker, the non-pass rushing linebackers, are areas where teams are going to try and skimp and save. All right, guys, any other major trends in the draft you want to address, or we can start moving on to uh, draft superlatives and predictions? Well, I, I, you know, you were talking about, you know, movement with the wide receivers. I, I think you got to look at the movement with the quarterbacks. As Eric and I, <coughs> excuse me, talked about in the last show, look at what's going on the past two years. You know, you've had Carson Wentz traded twice. You had Matthew Stafford traded for Jared Goff and a bunch of picks. This year you had Russell Wilson traded. You, you had Matt Ryan traded. You had, uh, you know, average or quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota that have never lived up to expectations, get decent free agent contracts. And then, oh, yeah, you had a bunch of quarterbacks that people thought could be first round picks fall into the third round. So I think it may be a situation and we won't know, you know, for the next couple of years where teams may be. We're either going to go out and get a trade for our quarterback or we're going to get a middle tier quarterback that we know that has some NFL experience and we're going to sign him rather than draft a quarterback very early, a quarterback that we know nothing about as far as NFL NFL potential is concerned or NFL playing time is concerned and try and develop them. That'll be interesting to see if that takes shape moving forward. Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Tony, because I think the the glut and the, the large amount of, you know, at some point a couple years ago, we got to cut to the point where there were more good quarterbacks than were starting spots. But since then, we've had Drew Brees retire, right? We've had Eli Manning retire. We've had other older quarterbacks retire. And I think now more and more openings are happening. And obviously, uh, Tom Brady's going to retire soon. Matt Ryan's going to get to that point pretty soon. You have a couple other spots open up here. Philip Rivers retired. Ben Roethlisberger retired. You know, that kind of 2003 and after group is kind of slowly getting out of the game. We're going to have more of these spots open up and teams are going to have to make some difficult choices. Crock, you got anything else in the draft? You want to start? Oh, yeah, let me just go back players. to that. The, the, Drew Brees retired, and what has New Orleans done to address the quarterback position? Yeah, they've gone cheap. Veterans, yeah. yeah. 100%. All right, let's go, guys. Let's go here first. Favorite draft class. Crock, why don't we start with you? Who do you like? Oh, I, I have a couple, all right? And I'm definitely starting off with the Houston Texans because I look at this team, a team that had a lot of holes, and I'd say their first five draft picks are guys that not only should likely start and have an impact on their team, but I, I think they would probably have an opportunity to start on most teams. Derek Stingley Jr., you know, you draft a corner like that, I think most teams are plugging him in to their starting lineup. Kenyon Green coming in to play offensive guard. I think he's a guy he's going to step in and play right away. Jalen Petrie as a safety. Will he be a safety or will he be kind of that hybrid star nickel type guy? But again, I feel like a player of his caliber and the prospect he is, most teams will probably look to him to be a starter. And then you have uh, John Mechie. I think he's a guy that could be a legit wide receiver three right away. 
and a lot of teams are going to a lot of 11 personnel. And then Christian Harris and Damian Pierce. And that was a team that really needed that running back. They have Rex Perkett. And then outside of that, it's like, okay, who's going to really be able to tote the rock and threaten teams and they draft a guy like Damian Pierce. So you just look at those picks right there. I'm like, man, this is a team that I feel like got better right away. How about you, Tone? I, I, I know you're gonna you're not gonna like this too much. Uh, a lot of the listeners are not gonna like it, but you gotta love what the Philadelphia Eagles did. I, I mean, they take Jordan Davis, they move up to get Jordan Davis to steal him away from the Baltimore Ravens, and you know Davis is just gonna fortify that interior defensive line. People say he's not a pass rusher. I disagree. But even if he's not a pass rusher, his ability to gobble up blockers to occupy the gaps will create opportunities for those edge rushes, will create opportunities for zone blitzes, for corner blitzes. So that, I thought, was a tremendous pick. I've always thought that Jordan Davis was underrated and was going to be underdrafted. I think that's what happened. you got to factor in the trade for A.J. Brown. That immediately improves their receiving court. It immediately gives Jalen Hurts another top target to throw the ball to, and they signed him to a four-year extension for $100 million. I thought Cam Jurgens. At the bottom uh, third of round two was an exceptional pick. People say, well, he's a center. He He can play center. He can play guard. He fits that system. He's a big, tough, punch-in-mouth guy. I wrote about it a couple days before the draft, how he was moving up draft boards. I think that was an exceptional pick. N'Kobe Dean was outstanding value in the third round. There's some concerns about some injuries there. He never worked out before the draft, which is not a good thing when you're 5'11", 226 pounds. There's more, there's a concern. He's maybe just a two down defender. I could agree with that. I think that's a justifiable concern, but he's still an explosive football player. He's a terrific run defender that goes sideline to sideline. And then around six, <coughs> excuse me, they get Grant Calcaterra uh, from SMU, the, the outstanding pass catching tight end who had a great career at Oklahoma, actually retired because of concussion issues, came back, had another real good season last year at SMU. You roll the dice on him in round six. He fits the Eagle system. He is an outstanding pass catcher. He's a real good athlete. You know, I know a lot of it comes down to Jalen Hurts, and I'm not a big Jalen Hurts guy. But when you look at a draft that can take a team and really elevate them to the next level, I think that's what the Eagles did. Yeah, and by the way, I'll point out, too, that the reason they're able to pay an A.J. Brown is because Jalen Hurts isn't making a ton of money, right? So that's you don't have money on the quarterback. You can pay a wide receiver. All right, I'm going to go Baltimore Ravens, who just seem to sit in their spot every year and good players drop to them. Uh, Kyle Hamilton at 14, we've talked about him a lot on the show. I think that's about the right neighborhood for him. Not a top five guy, but I think middle of the first round. They'll figure out a way to use him in their defense, whereas size and physicality, I think, pay off. You know, Linderbaum, I know Tony's not the biggest fan of him either, but I think at 25, I'm curious to see how they use him in that scheme. Yeah. Is there not a, a zone running scheme? So I'm going to curious to see how that works. But, I, I you know, in that... And that with that running game, I think it's going to work. He's a wrestler. You know, Ajabo, would it shock me if we were talking in four or five years that David Ajabo is the best sack artist in this draft class? Nope. Wouldn't surprise me. And they get him in the second round. <coughs> would it shock me in four years if Travis Jones is, is an excellent Pro Bowl caliber defensive tackle? Nope. Got him in the third round. Then the Ravens, they just pick big people, right? Well, who's bigger than Daniel Falele? <laughs> they get him in the round four, which I think was a great value. I thought he was a third-round pick. You know, some people like Jalen Armour Davis a lot. I'm curious if they use Falele. He's kind of like a lesser version of Orlando Brown, just a huge guy you have to run around, right, that didn't test really well. They draft two tight ends. You know, Lamar Jackson loves throwing the tight ends. You know, Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely, two different guys, but they can catch the football. Uh, Tyler Beatty, I think, is, is a good sixth-round running back. He can do a little bit in the passing game. So 
I think overall, I think the Ravens did well. I think they got a lot of good players. Uh, interesting that they trade Marquise Brown and Hollywood Brown and do not add a wide receiver. I think that's interesting. So we'll see what happens with that position-wise for them. But I, I thought the Ravens really had a, an excellent draft. Right. Interesting, with the Ra- interesting with the Ravens <clears throat> is they get the biggest one of the biggest offensive linemen, so the biggest offensive lineman yeah. in Philly, Lee, and they take one of the smallest offensive linemen in Linderbaum. I agree, Linderbaum, you know, unless they think he's a good – center for Lamar Jackson, the way Lamar Jackson plays. It's an interesting pick because it doesn't fit the system at all. I love the tight ends that they drafted, but you know, now they got four tight ends on it. You you usually keep three tight ends. So, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to cut one of the veterans? Are they going to try and trade one of the veterans? Uh, But yeah. And Travis Jones after losing out on Jordan Davis was an exceptional uh, consolation prize, if you will. Yeah, I'm so talking about when you, live, when you were live on Friday, Cock, he's been like, where's my guy Travis Jones? He's got to be going soon, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. He he slid down pretty pretty far, but uh, that was a joyful moment. One of our uh, people hosting uh, covered him at UConn and had a lot of good things to say about him. But I want to talk about real quick with Baltimore. Just You talked about them not adding a receiver, and you look at the receivers they have right now. You got Rashad Bateman, you got Duvernay and Prochet. Those guys are going to have to really take big steps. And I think Bateman showed, like, okay, I have the ability. There were some games where he started to come into his own, especially after he got healthy. Uh, but you got Tylon Wallace. They're going to need a lot out of him as well. This isn't this young, star-studded, Group and I know the Ravens fans really desperately wanted to add a receiver with Hollywood Brown. Now you lose Hollywood Brown and you still don't add a receiver. I think that was very questionable. Yeah, I think a lot of twelve and thirteen personnel coming for the Ravens when they line up this yeah. year. No question. All right, similar question but a little bit different. Which team do you think draft class will impact them the most as they try to take a step as a team? So. Which team, I guess, improved the most with their draft class would be, would be one way to phrase it. But you think really will get a lot of impact out of this draft class for how they're trying to kind of grow their team. Tony, let's go to you first. You got to go with the New York Jets. <clears throat> I mean, you look at the Jets, it could be a transformational draft. Now, granted, it's all on paper and the history of the Jets is they win in April. But when the season starts in September, it doesn't turn out as planned. But look, they got the top cornerback in the draft in, in Ahmad Gardner. They got the top receiver in the draft in Garrett Wilson. They come back at the top of round two. They make a trade. They get the top running back in the draft in Brees Hall. Oh, by the way, they get uh, the pass rusher that they had considered with one of those two picks, the fourth or tenth pick, and Jermaine Johnson. When Johnson falls down the uh, into the deep into the late part of round one, they trade up and they get him. They get later on. They get Jeremy Ruckert in the third round, a terrific developmental receiver that's not going to have to play right away. They get a situational pass rusher, Michael Clemens. I, I mean, this is. I, I, this is Joe Douglas working with Robert Sala to basically fill needs with the top players in the draft that can have a lot of impact. Now, like I said, it's only on paper. And, and you know, the history has not always been that they were able to transition that great looking draft on paper into football production. And, you know, like with the Philadelphia Eagles, <clears throat> so much of it will rely, <clears throat> excuse me, so much of it will rely on the hopeful improvement of one Zach Wilson, because if these guys play great, but Zach Wilson turns out to have another dud season, you're not going to be able to win games by a score of three to two or seven to six. But I think on paper right now, where we sit, this has the potential to really transform the New York Jets and and catapult them moving forward. 
Yeah, I'm going to pick a team on the other side of the spectrum here. I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs. They're an excellent team already, but I really think their draft is going to help them improve right away. You know, they need the defensive end on defense. They get George Karloftis. He'll step in. They'll use him well. He's a solid player. They need a quarterback. You get Trent McDuffie with the 21st pick in the first round. He'll step in. He'll be good right away. You need a wide receiver. Somehow, Sky Moore gets to pick 22 in round two. He's going to be great for them this year. They lose Tyron Matthew. They bring in Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati, who's a very good player. Then they get the linebacker, Leo Chanel, in round three. Darian Kennard, who is similar to the Tyler Smith pick last year, he drops because of medicals, right? If he can stay healthy, he can help the offensive line right away and be a guy that moves around. So I think the Chiefs, and usually don't think of you know teams that are picking late in the draft and you know, or play away from going to the Super Bowl and things of that nature of really helping themselves in a draft. I think the Chiefs went a long way to addressing some of their needs, but they didn't have to reach to address those needs. In fact, you could argue with 30, they got great value with Carl Loftus. You got great value with Moore in round two. Leo Chanel in round three is good value. Kennard is good value in round five. So I thought the Chiefs did a lot to help their roster here and fill some holes, especially on defense uh, headed into this season. Croc, how about you? You know, I could have went with Houston on this because I do think they got guys that will make immediate impacts. But I'm going to go with uh, the 49ers arch enemies, uh, Seattle Seahawks and what they did. And, and I feel like if you just look at their the names that they got, it's like an all who was mentioned the most on social media <laughs> names <laughs> uh, name group started off with Charles Cross. And that was good because now you have a day one guy that's going to step in and play that left tackle position. Then you got Boye Mafe. They desperately need to get a, an edge rusher. I mean, they've been using Jamal Adams in that role, right? I mean, the team, he a couple of years ago, he led the team in sacks. You wanted to be able to get that type of production, but from the guy that is actually a pass rusher. Then they went and got Kenneth Walker. They have had Chris Carson. I know they, they drafted Penny, but, you know, if you want to try to replace those guys and get more out of it, Carson kind of been banged up here and there. Get a guy like Kenneth Walker who could do it all, could potentially be that every down back. Continue on. Abraham Lucas. This is a t an offensive line that really needed to improve and get a lot better throughout the entire offensive line. I think Lucas can help with that. And then you see what they did in uh, the fourth and fifth rounds with cornerback uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, cornerback uh, Tariq Woolen. Uh, Woolen is probably more of a kind of a development pick, but has really high upside. And if they're not putting him in situations where, or if they put him in positions where he can play more like Brandon Brown or Richard Sherman, and he gets it, the that kind of knowledge of the game from reading down concepts, he can be terrific, a great athlete there. And Kobe Bryant, he brings a level of consistency, a guy that won a Jim Thorpe Award. And then you look at Tyreek Smith, and, you know, people aren't really talking about him as a pass rusher, but a guy who showed up at the senior ball and he had some questionable reps against Penning, but he also has some really good reps. And a guy that's really just going to come off the edge and try to win with speed, but he has ability there. Then, I mean, Bo Milton, another guy who can add a yeah. little bit more dynamicness to this, a guy that can potentially win vertical. And we'll see what happens at the quarterback position. I know they got Drew Locke there, but just in the team where I felt like – they addressed a lot of needs and got guys that could potentially come in and play uh, with, you know, good kind of uh, experience there. I like a lot of what Seattle did. All right, let's let's stay on the positive side of things. Which pick do you think, guys, was the biggest steal where they got the best value given where the player was selected? Tony, why don't we start with you? Oh, there's a lot of them. I, I mean, obviously, you got to go with Malik Willis. I would say Jermaine Johnson as well in the early part. Uh, I, I got to go with, uh, one of those two guys. I'll have to look at the day three picks. Cause there's always a, uh, <clears throat> uh, 
uh, a winner there. But, I, you know, I, I got to say Jermaine Johnson, if I've got to go with the two, because he's more NFL ready than Malik Willis. He's going to have the ability to impact the team uh, the earliest. And he also fits the need. I mean, the Jets have been looking for a pass rush since John Abraham left in what, 2007, 2008. And uh, Jermaine Johnson, for them anyway, hopefully will uh, fill that need. How about you, Croc? Favorite school uh, draft, best value. Yeah, I'm going to go with N'Kobe Dean. I'm going to go nice. with N'Kobe Dean. Uh, just because I, I get the injury thing. And if you get a guy who flashed a lot of ability, and I know, you know, like Tony said, that he's a guy that can definitely improve in the coverage aspect of things. But just coming in, how he flies around and the ability that he has, I do think that the coverage is something that he can improve on. You know, being able to get him where they got him. This is a blue chip type prospect who slipped because of an injury. And we'll find out the severity of that. If he has to get surgery, how long he'll be out. But if he's not missing time, I think that's a guy where, man, you got a big time player really late in this draft. I'll give you a couple day three guys here that I like. You know, you ever wonder if NFL teams care about testing? Oh, the combine doesn't matter. Testing is not a big deal. Look where Jamari Salyer got picked. It was the only guy all year that could block Aiden Hutchinson. All year. Only guy that blocked him. Goes to the sixth round with pick number 16 because his testing was awful. And Tony, unless I'm wrong, I don't think there's anything medical with him that was an issue, right? No, I, I, no, I also think it's, you know, where you're going to play him at the next level. I have him as a guard. I agree with you, though. But you I, know. I, look, he ended up getting picked by the Chargers. I could see that guy starting a guard for them by the end of the year. And look, they, they picked Zion Johnson earlier in the draft, so maybe not. They don't have room for him. But I thought that was really good value in round six for Salier. He's a good player, even if he's not your ideal athlete. Um, <laughs> I'll throw one other out there. Packers round five, Kingsley and Igbarre. Some people had him in round two. I didn't have him quite that high, but I thought round five for a guy like that, that had one of the best pass rush win rates in college football last year was really good. And then I'll throw Calvin Austin in round four. I know yeah. he's a smaller guy, but boy, he's fast and he can run routes. But the Steelers, they got the guy in the fourth round when, yeah. frankly, receivers went above him that didn't, for me, were a round or two below him where I had him on my rankings. I thought that was I thought that was really good value getting Calvin Austin in round four. Yeah, I think hey, with my 49ers. Yeah, they, you know they drafted Danny Gray to be that kind of speed guy and pull coverage and do those things. I'm like, how do you do that with Calvin? You could have used Calvin Austin as that, and I feel like he's much more dynamic from a jitterbug standpoint, run after catch, special teams aspect. So I thought 49ers missed an opportunity there to be able to get a guy that I, uh, you know, I think wow, you know, he shouldn't. I thought he would go at some point early third round. Yeah. For him to go even later than that, good job by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I think at five, seven and a half, he's an acquired taste. You know, it's going to be a situation where you got to be willing to design plays for him. You got to have a position for him because of that lack of height. I thought all along he was a perfect fit for the Kansas City Chiefs to replace Tyreek Hill. Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, no one expected Sky Moore to be there late in round two. And when he was, the Chiefs jumped all over him. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, uh, let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over for now. We'll see if time at the end for the least favorite and the biggest reaches in the class. Let's go to predicting offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go first here because Tony just mentioned the guy. I think it's Sky Moore. I think he's catching 80 balls for 1,200 yards for the Chiefs this year. The Chiefs signed a bunch of guys, but they don't have that, you know, 
Juju Smith-Schuster is a good player. Doesn't have the speed or, or jitter, you know, he's not jittery enough. You know, Scantling's more of a speed guy. Sky Moore is a technician, you know, and he can run after catch. Andy Reid's going to use him in a bunch of different ways. I think offensive rookie of the year, Sky Moore. What do you think, Croc? Oh, man, I'm going with Traylon Burks. You know, this is a guy that has a very similar skill set as A.J. Brown, and I don't want to say he's going to be A.J. Brown. But, you know, if, if it's plug and play, and it's like, all right, he's not the best separator. He's not the best route runner. But, oh, you know what? He's a lot like A.J. Brown in the sense of run after catch. He could utilize that speed. I, I know he didn't run as fast. He ran a 4.55, but when the ball's in his hands, he's hitting a high miles per hour. I think they'll know how to utilize him. I think off of the play action fix to Derrick Henry, be able to get him the ball in space and be able to work off of a guy uh, opposite him and Robert Smith, uh, Robert Woods, excuse me. Uh, I like I like the upside of that pick. I think that's a guy that could come in and make an immediate uh, contribution, especially with the quarterback that's there, who isn't the big dynamic passer, but definitely can, you know, he'll take his shots, he'll hit those, and he definitely can throw those crossing routes. I'm going to go with Christian Watson, who the Green Bay Packers traded up at the top of round two to get. I know Christian Watson's going to need a little bit of work before he's truly NFL ready. <clears throat> Very rough around the edges. But Aaron Rodgers has a way to draw the best out of receivers. He has a way of helping receivers elevate their games. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do. I never bought into the Christian Watson first-round hype. Granted, he was the 34th pick of the draft, so he wasn't that far away. We saw him catch the ball at the senior ball. We saw him work out at the combine. I just think that with Aaron Rodgers there, it's going to be much easier for him to take his game to the next level. I know people are sitting there, wait, you guys just picked three wide receivers and – there were five wide receivers picked before the guys you just selected. <laughs> well, guys, it's all about situation. Yeah. I picked the guy with Mahomes throwing to him. Tony picked the guy with Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. And Croc picked the guy with Tannehill throwing it to him. Three veteran quarterbacks. So that always <laughs> yeah. has a big factor on who's going to be great early. Tony, defensive rookie of the year, who you got? I'm going to go with Ahmad Gardner. And the reason is because, <laughs> excuse me, I'm going to put my trust in Robert Sala. He's the type of you know cornerback that he's had success with in the past. The Jets don't have a number one cornerback, and, and I think Gardner as a rookie is going to get tested a lot by opponents, and he's shown a lot of progress in the game. He's big, he's physical, he's getting to the point where his fundamentals are outstanding, his ball skills are improving. I just look at that system, and I look at the coach, and I think that Robert Sala's got an axe to grind, he's got something to prove after what was a bad year for the Jets' defense. And Gardner, as far as I'm concerned, is the top corner in this draft. I like Derek Stingley, but I think it's going to be Ahmad Gardner. Croc, how about you? You know, I I got a uh, – and this is defensive rookie of the year, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to go Jordan Davis. I'm going to go Jordan Davis. You know, I think, you know, just what he can be next to – uh, Fletcher Cox and being able to learn from him. And I'm actually going to double down here. So not only is he going to be my rookie of the year, he's going to be my uh, best player in four years in this entire class, mm -hmm. just because I think he has a high upside. We see the athleticism that he has. I don't think he's finished as a pass rusher, even though, you know, it's not bad now. I think he's at a good starting point, but can only improve, especially playing against Fletcher, Fletcher Cox. I think having that veteran next to him where you don't have to do everything right away and you can play off of that type of guy, I think he should have not only a tremendous rookie year, but I think he's set up for success moving forward. Uh, I'm going to go Kayvon Thibodeau here. I, I just think 
in a wing Martindale scheme, they're going to blitz a ton that he's going to get a, enough free rushes for one. My guess is that they'll move around a little bit and he'll get some advantages based off the scheme. And I think in his first year, he kind of feels like he has something to prove that he should have got picked a little bit higher. So I was going back and forth with him and Hutchinson. I thought Hutchinson was a little bit chalky. So I decided to go with the hometown guy here uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau. And then the other question, Proc, you mentioned the best player in four years. You mentioned you have Jordan Davis. I'm going to go Jamison Williams. You know, I thought that was smart for the Lions or straight up for him. You know, you want to get a dynamic wide receiver. He's the only guy in this group to me that looks and moves differently. Now, we might not be able to tell based on what the Lions quarterback situation is in three or four years because we just don't know who the starter is going to be. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jamison Williams. I, I think he's got something special to him. He'll get healthy, I think, in three, four years. I think he's going to be the best player in this draft. How about you, Tony? You know, the Vegas was held in uh, the, the, the draft was held in Vegas. So I'm going to roll a dice and I'm going to state Derek Stingley Jr. Because I'm going to trust what I saw in 2019 when the film was when the film was absolutely amazing. And I'm going to roll the dice and say with Lovey Smith and, and the fact that, you know, he's heard all these criticisms the past couple of seasons that Derek Stingley gets his game back to where it was in 2019, where if he had entered the draft and he was eligible for the draft, he could potentially be in the first pick of the draft, or he would have been the second pick of the draft. Granted, he was the third pick of the draft this year, which tells you what the team thought of him in 2019. So, you know, we've seen a lot of cornerbacks who've had since Dar- Darrell Revis, guys like that. I'm going to say it's going to be Derek Stingley with the hopes that he gets his game back to where he was as a true freshman at LSU and builds upon that. All right, I'm leaning on you guys for the last 13 minutes of the show that we have before we all got to go. Um, <laughs> Let's talk and look ahead here to the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, let's start the quarterbacks, guys. I think everyone knows about C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, Bryce Young out of Alabama. What are the other quarterbacks that have a chance to kind of rise up that we might be talking about as potential top 10 picks when we roll around to the 2023 draft? Why don't you go first, Brock? Yeah, maybe Will Levis. And, and again, this is my with, – with this class, everybody banking on this class – kind of carrying that quarterback uh, 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 thing where, you know, it's like, oh, 2021 uh, or 22, excuse me, not a great quarterback class. Wait till the following year, 2023. You have all these guys. And I'm not sure. We'll see how these guys pan out. But I think Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, a lot of people are really high on them. And we'll see if they can have great follow-up seasons. After that, I do think there's a bit of a drop-off and we'll who kind of rises to the occasion. But I think – uh, Will Levis uh, out of Kentucky. That's the first guy that kind of comes to mind for me. And again, he has to put it all together and have a tr- tremendous year this season. A little funny. Uh, he's the guy that was eating the raw, the bananas with the peeling. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't recommend that. But uh, yeah, Will Levis. Wow. <laughs> Did you Wait, see that? Did you see the, the video? Peel? Oh, he no. He ate the he ate the banana with the peeling on it and was just. And just chewing it. And I just thought it was all right. He just yeah. dropped 10 spots on my board. Tony, what do you got? I'm sure it's good, I'm sure it's good for his digestion. It saves uh saves room in the trash. But uh, you know, there's a couple of guys. We can't forget about Spencer Rattler <laughs> because you know, if, if things played out as everyone expected, guess what? Spencer Rattler would have been the first quarterback selected this year, probably with the first three or four picks. Had a terrible year. It, it just could never get it going uh for an Oklahoma offense. It just never uh, seemed to be able to get it going. I'm not going to forget about Spencer Rattler, who's now playing at South Carolina. Uh, Grayson McCall of, of Coastal Carolina is a guy to, to, to consider. A lot of people like Phil Jerkovic of uh, Boston College. 
to me, he's a big arm passer. That he, he's a lot of he's Desmond Ritter like in the sense that he's got excellent size, he's got excellent stature, he's got a big arm, but the ball passes go all over the place. <laughs> and I, I like the Clemson kid, although he didn't have a good 2021 uh, season. I like when he played the two games that he filled in for Trevor Lawrence in 2020. DJ Ugalele, if I pronounced that right, I deserve an award. Uh, but I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think he's got some upside, and I would agree with with, with Levis. It's going to be interesting. You know, you say everybody knows C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young was the better and the most cons- more consistent quarterback throughout the t- entire season. Yet everybody's got C.J. Stroud as the number one pick based off of that Rose Bowl performance. If you watched Ohio State in the early part of the 2021 season, C.J. Stroud struggled. They lost that game to uh, Oregon. They had a close game against Tulsa. You know, he had a great Rose Bowl. And as uh, Eric and I were talking about the last show, who was the last quarterback that everyone fawned over after a tremendous Rose Bowl performance that everyone anointed as the first pick of the draft? Do you remember that, John? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, right. And it's not worked out well for him. So, again, I I just don't understand why people – Stroud's got better size. He's got better stature. But Young has proven himself to be the much more consistent quarterback to date. Uh, and two other guys I've seen mentioned, Anthony Richardson <coughs> out of Florida, Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami, two other guys, too, that I've seen. Uh, I think McShay might have had both those guys in his round one way too early mock for next year, too. Croc, wide receivers. The Ohio State guy obviously had his coming out party already. Uh, we know about him. Who else at wide receiver? You could talk about him as well. Really jumps out to you. Oh, man. I mean, there, there are quite a few that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, you got Jordan uh, Addison. He won the Belenikoff Award out of Pittsburgh. Now, I'm curious to see if he stays there. I, I'm, I, I don't know if they're just rumors or what, but it's he's in the transfer portal or he's not in the transfer portal and he's going to USC and he's going to pay $3 million. So we'll see where he ultimately ends up. If it's USC, I think I like it even even more than him being out of Pittsburgh and potentially being a top 10 pick, but he's a dynamic receiver. Uh, one of the more shiftier guys that has explosive ability, uh, a lot of receptions there. Um, and uh, yeah, Smith and Jigma, you got Keyshawn Booty, uh, the receiver out of LSU. So I think, yeah. And obviously, you know, as this process goes on, there'll be a lot of more, a lot more receivers that end up popping up. Yeah, Julian Fleming out of Ohio State is a name to keep an eye on. A.T. Perry of Wake Forest is a taller receiver who catches the ball well, who has one of the more underrated quarterbacks throwing to him, and Sam Hartman, a guy who I think uh, is a legitimate next-level prospect, even though he's a little bit smaller. Uh, But, you know, we'll see because at this point in time, a year ago, we didn't think too much of the uh, wide receiver class, and then, boom, five of them go in the uh, top half of round one, so – it could turn out to be a, a situation like that. Dante Demas of Maryland, a guy who probably was a potential third-round pick this year, had a devastating injury. He's back. Zay Flowers out of uh, Boston College, another good Boston receiver. College, dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I want to ask you guys, I don't see an Alabama receiver on this list. What's going on? Aren't they supposed to have a top 15 guy every year? Well, they actually might with the transfer with uh, Jermaine Burton out of uh, Georgia. So, you know, that's someone right there who uh, right away, I I like him at Georgia, but the usage just wasn't there. So I think he's not going to be a popular name. I mean, he was getting like, what, 28 catches or something like that and still being one of the top receivers on that team. You take him out of there (laughs) and 
plug him into Alabama with more of a prolific passing game, I could you could see him take off and potentially be a first round pick. And that tight end that Georgia has, was he a true freshman last year out of California? Yeah, yeah I think he was okay. a true freshman. Yeah. Uh Bow- Bowers, is that who he is? Bowers, yeah. Went to Folsom. I coached against him. But that's a, I mean, that's a terrific tight end. They're a pass catcher, but if he has to wait another year, he was an older prospect, though. So I don't know if maybe We'll see if he sat out a year or something. There's there's something weird going on with him. We'll, we'll see. But terrific prospect. Uh, maybe he's not coming out yet. Yeah, getting back to Alabama, you're not going to know about these guys when they constantly have underclassmen entering the draft. And, I mean, you know what? No one knew about Jameson Williams coming into the season. Not too many people knew all that much about Henry Ruggs the prior year. So, you know, it's it's basically wait in line. We, we got to know uh, about John Mechie. Uh, with the injury the prior year. So, uh, you know, and they've been a receiving making factory for the NFL. So somebody from Alabama will eventually step up. All right, let's go a couple more positions here, guys. Tony, I'll let you hit the offensive line, offensive tackle. I know there's a couple of Ohio State guys that that people like, right? Um, Northwestern kid. Who are some of the offensive tackles and how does this class look in, in the early portions compared to the last couple of years? Yeah, the Ohio State guys are, are guards that project, uh, Paris Johnson guards who project to offensive tackle now that Nicholas Petit Frere's there. They also have that mammoth kid, Juwan, I think his name is Juwan Jones on the right side. He's a big, yeah. he's a big ma- uh, massive, uh, big mountain of a man. Nick Broker of Mississippi, their left tackle, who for the longest time I had heard that he was going to enter the draft, decided to stay back. He's a solid pass blocking left tackle in that Lane Kiffin offense, may project to guard the next level. A lot of people like Zion Nelson of Miami. I'm not as high on Zion Nelson. He seemed to play his best football two years ago. I think he made the uh, the best decision going back. It's Dewan Jones of uh, Ohio State. Uh, 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 Jalen Duncan of Maryland is another kid that I really, really like a lot. When you look at the offensive line, uh, the uh, the interior offensive line, T.J. Bass of Oregon, Javion Cohen of uh, Alabama. You talked about the uh, the Northwestern kid. Uh, that would be uh, Peter Skoronsky, right? Skoronsky, right, a tackle who projects the guard. As far as the offense, the centers are concerned, Jarrett Patterson of Notre Dame, who seems to have been the Notre Dame starting uh, center for the last 40 years, and he's <laughs> consistently bypassed the draft. Well, he, you know, he's going to, uh, I would assume he's going to enter the draft. Arkansas has got a kid by the name Ricky Stromberg, and Oregon's got one of my favorite centers in uh, Alex Forsythe. So there looks to be some decent amount of talent there. Croc, you can either do up front on the defense or take the cornerbacks. Where do you want to go? Uh, I'll touch on the up front. And actually, I don't even think we have to talk about this. Will Anderson, probably number one overall pick. Would have been the number one overall pick in this class out of Alabama. But with the cornerbacks, you do have Jory Porter Jr. All right. Um, I watched a lot of him at Penn State, especially while watching a lot of film on 49er six-round draft pick. uh, Guys, Castro Fields. And Jory Porter Jr., he has a size, he has a length, he has speed. And we'll see if that continues to all kind of come together. together. And then Elias Ricks uh, was at LSU, transferred to Alabama. Uh, this was a top prospect in the nation out of Model Day, out in California. Guy that, again, height, weight, speed type guy. And his nickname is Pick Six Ricks. There was one playoff game while he was in high school. He had three pick sixes in one game. That didn't stop there. That carried over to LSU. I believe he had three pick sixes as a true freshman. So this is a guy that has a lot of upside and ability. And him going to Alabama, I think he's only going to make him that much more of a polarizer prospect, potentially a top 10 pick. Tony, defensive line, he mentioned Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, another probably a top five pick right out of Georgia. 
Is this going to be another strong upfront draft? Any other defensive linemen in, in about a minute or so here that uh, jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter of Georgia. Georgia's just loaded with uh, players. I mean, they lost a lot, but, but it's basically like Alabama with the receivers. Brian Brees of Clemson. Clemson's got another kid uh, uh, on the offensive line by the name of Miles Murphy. Ali Gay of LSU, who was terrific in 2020, started off slowly in 2021, had an injury, sat out the rest of the season, so he's going back. One of my favorites, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Zion Tupelo Fatui of Washington, an outstanding explosive pass rusher. I believe he hurt his Achilles the beginning of last year. Oh, no, hurt his Achilles in spring football of 2021. Tried to make it back last year, played a couple games, was not 100%. Watch him. And then Colby Wooden from Auburn, another terrific pass rusher, decent size. He made a last-minute decision to bypass this year's draft, which I think is a, was a good one. Projected him as a second-round pick. Another good year could vault Wooden of Auburn into the first round. Guys, this was fun. In honor of this, I already got my notebook ready for next year. <laughs> 2023 NFL draft. I'm going to make some notes, and then I'm going to go on paternity leave. I'll see you guys in about two months. <laughs> but seriously, guys, great job. Awesome information. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. And uh, we'll see when we're back next year. We'll be back at some point. And when we do, it'll be fun. Any closing thoughts before we say goodbye, guys, besides fantastic work? Uh, uh, shout out to all the listeners and, and people that watch on social media, people that engage with us on social media. I now have a following of New York Giants fans. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that. And all the feedback and positive feedback or negative, whatever, but all the feedback that we've gotten uh, from the fan base, I think that's been awesome. Yeah, I think the thing that people need to remember is, you know, the draft is not the end. The draft is just the beginning game. You know, people get crazy. Let me talk about here. Who had the best draft? To, and, and, you know, as Bill Parcells, the famous New York Giant coach said, you know, it takes three years to figure out whether a draft has, has is a good one. It takes three years to figure out whether a guy is a tru truly an NFL player. Robert Sala also said that in his pre-draft, uh, in his post-draft uh, uh press conference when people were heaping praise on him. He's like, listen, we won't know for three years. Granted, people now want to know in three weeks all what the situation is, but you know, just take your uh, foot off the pedal and, and watch these guys. There's going to be bumps in the road and we'll find out in a couple of years who was right and who was wrong and who did the best job and who didn't do as good a job in the two, 2022 NFL draft. Yeah. And that's why we didn't do grades here, folks, because grades are a waste of time. For Tony, for Eric, I'm Schmelp. Thanks for hanging with us all during draft season, everybody. It was a hell of a ride. It was a lot of fun, and we'll be back next year. We'll see you next time.